Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a multiple award-winning bassist, singer, and composer from Norway, Ellen Andrea Wang. Hello, Ellen. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, could you please tell the people who you are? Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is uh, Ellen Andrea Wang, or Ellen, uh, as you would say it. And I'm a bass player and singer and composer from Norway. And uh, yeah, right now I don't have any gigs, you know, because of the COVID-19. Not not every not anyone has. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Oh, it's okay. So yeah, yeah. How long have you been playing the bass, roughly? Um, let's see. If I take it from the beginning, you know, music has always been um, a big part of my life since I was a little kid, and I grew up singing in choirs and and in church choirs, and when I was around six years old, I started to play the classical violin and also some piano. And, um, and besides that, my, my mom and dad, they both also play the piano, not in a professional way, but they're pretty good. So my mom, she's a classical uh, piano player and my dad, he's more into jazz music. So I grew up listening to a lot of different jazz records like um, McCoy Tyner, um, Take Six, Chick Corea, John Coltrane, Alice Coltrane, um, and a bunch of uh, Norwegian jazz musicians as well, like Ari Lannersen and, and Jan Garbarek, for example. And I played the classical violin for about 10 years or so, I think. And I, I went to this, uh, in Norway, you have like this high school where you can choose um to have some extra subjects and i i choose the music um but then uh something happened because <laughs> i was i i knew that i wouldn't be like a professional classical violin because i didn't practice that much i didn't find that very uh i don't know i didn't ha- sort of had that in me because i was doing so much else like conducting a choir singing choir and I was more into jazz and pop music and um, and for me you know that the bass and the drums in the music that makes the foundation um, that becomes sort of this physical thing that you can feel in your body that's always been uh, something that I have related um, to when I was you know, young dancing to to Michael Jackson's music or or to Chicoria Spain, um, yeah, and and uh, I wanted to explore more of that kind of music, and I tried to play jazz on on the violin, but I didn't make it at all. You know, it sounded terrible. So um, uh, then my uncle he was playing the electric bass, and my my dad and uncle they they have a band. And then I was trying to play some electric bass when I was around 15, 16, 16 years old. And I thought that was cool. You know, that was more uh, me. 
And and um, one summer, I went to Prague in Czech Republic with this choir, and we went. Uh, my dad and my uncle and I, we went to this store where they sold uh, violins and double basses and cellos and stuff. And I was actually, I was supposed to buy a violin, I think. But I bought a double bass instead. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So your parents and... gave you money for a violin and you come home with a double bass. <laughs> yeah, I did. I came home with a double bass. And actually, I remember in Prague, I had to, because we were taking the bus, oh, it was a terrible long bus drive. I mean, from Norway to Czech Republic, that's so far. But when you're young, you know, that's possible. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I got the double bass on the bus <laughs> and went back home, started practicing the double bass, and I was super motivated and... I mean, this was the musical me. This was how I could express myself in a good way. Okay, wait. By so playing the bass. You took a five-hour bus ride from the Czech Republic to Norway and just showed up with... No, more like 24 hours bus drive. I mean, yeah. it's a flight, right? Five hours. Oh, wait. Yeah, a bus. Yeah, we were a choir on, on tour. So <laughs> it was more like 24 hours bus, bus drive from Norway to, to Prague. It's like a long distance. It's crazy. I don't know how I managed to. <laughs> okay, so you show up with a bass. And what's the first thing your parents say when they pick you up? Uh, they were kind of surprised, I think. Um, but they were also supporting me because they were, yeah, they wanted to. I, I guess they were just happy for me that I, I figured out that I wanted to play the bass and and that I wanted to to practice and uh, yeah. So they were they were very supportive, and and then I could play some jazz with my dad, you know, and uh, and he thought that was cool. So I was good, <laughs> but I had to ask them for money, you know, because it was kind of expensive the instrument. <laughs> um, but after a while, um, I uh, I started at the, um, to study music at the music academy in Oslo, mm-hmm. and I had this wonderful teachers um my my bass mentor Bjorn Sjermed amazing musician that uh teached me so much about bass and and music in general and a lot of the teachers at the at the school told me that uh to make it today as a musician or a jazz musician you need to write your own music so almost from day 1 you know they were pushing us to to write your own music and then I started to write and I guess that's the same for everybody that are, are uh, writing music that you very mm, you're figuring out your musical you um, and you learn a lot about yourself by composing and writing music you know what is your musical references um, what do you want want to do and yeah, stuff like that. And since I'm also have been singing for a while, I thought it would be cool to, you know, play the double bass and sing uh, at the same time to work uh, with that um, to uh, come. What do you call it? To yeah, to play to play bass lines and to sing on top of the melodies or, or try to to sing some vocal stuff and play soul bass solo on that you know trying to explore a, a different type of 
Horizon or or something like that. And um, while I was playing, I started also to play a lot with like teachers at school. And suddenly I was on tour and I was playing with amazing musicians all around the world. And um, yeah, from uh, from Marilyn Massoud, who has played with with the Miles Davis band to Manu Kacher and to Norwegian musicians like um, great piano player Jon Balke, uh, Bugge Vesseltoft, uh, trumpet player Matthias Eich. And then I also had my own bands, you know, beside playing with these big stars. Uh, I created a band called uh, Pixel, Pixel, which was, yeah, Pixel, which was supposed to be. Um, I wanted to to create a band uh, that sounded almost like Ernest Coleman, uh, The Shape of Jazz to Come. You know, I wanted to play that kind of music with the same lineup with uh, trumpet, saxophone, double bass, and drums. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to add vocals. So, um, but then when I started to write music, we didn't sound like Ernest Coleman at all. <laughs> we sounded more like. Um, Something in between jazz and pop music, I think, yeah. And that sort of have become, I guess, my thing to mixing uh, jazz and pop in more uh, unpredicted ways. But you know, it's having working the for acoustic, you, so I can't yeah. say anything on that. Yeah, <laughs> acoustic uh, and electric music together, and and to be, yeah, to compose. Uh, music. Hmm. Okay, so with that perspective, yeah. Question on the whole thing. So you go from the academy, you go on tour, you yeah. Form your band, and mm. then what? You just start winning these awards left and right, right? Yeah, I I got some awards. That was nice. That was really cool. So um, yeah. Which one means the most to you so far? Sorry, what did you say? Which one means the most to you so far? Oh, I think. Mm. Oh, you know, last year we got this Norwegian Grammy um, with a, a group uh, called Girls. That was a, you know, that's sort of the biggest thing that you can have in Norway. And and also by composing some music, I got this huge award, which was really nice for a song, and that is called uh, "Call Me." Actually, yeah. So I think that's. Uh, those two awards has meant meant a lot to me, and you know you don't go around to uh, you don't expect to get any awards, you know. <laughs> so that always uh, that's a very positive and uh, thing, and and you know somebody says, hey, what you're doing is great. Keep on doing that. No, you need to keep uh, doing that's what important. you're doing is great. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> question on that. So what is something that people meet, seem to misunderstand about the music world, especially from you coming from the Norwegian scene? Oh, to misunderstand. Hmm. I'm, hmm. I, I guess, you know, it's sometimes, you know, when, when I tell stuff like this, uh, it seems so easy you know <laughs> I can just say and then I did this and then that and that happened and then blah 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 but it's 
you know, to learn the craft, to to how many hours you spend on learning your instruments. You know, that's that is so important and and it's important to that people understand that, you know, that you're when you're asking a musician to play something, it's thousands of hours that you rehearsed and the time you spend on being the best you can. Um, so, hmm, I don't have like a, any other good answers than that, I think, you know, to, uh, to appreciate the music. And right now, I think that's important with the COVID-19, you know, appreciate the art and, and the music and the people behind it. That's so important. Uh, for example, in Norway now, they they did a research and they they can see that you know when it comes to all the financials around the the cultural things like theaters and and movies or museums and different types of art, they can see that musicians are um, the people that are actually struggling the most. And what are people doing, you know, in COVID nineteen? Uh, when they uh, are home or bored or I don't know, they they are listening to music or they're watching Netflix or yeah, they use um, Spotify and it's important to think that you know behind that song, your favorite song you work out to or you like to listening to, there's a bunch of people uh, who has been uh, working to get. Um, to get that song to your playlist. I get that, but yeah, like I said, so just without the COVID stuff going on, mm. would you say the Norwegian scene is bigger than the French scene? More dominant than it? Would you say that it's growing? Would you say it's getting? What would you think of it in that terms? Mm, I think the Norwegian scene it's uh, it's huge. Uh, what did you say but, uh, compared to the France? Yeah, compared to the French. It, yeah. Hmm. I, I would say it, it has, yeah, I would say perhaps maybe it's it's bigger than the France scene. <laughs> um, I guess that's a bold thing to say, no, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I find the Norwegian scene, there is so and, and the Norwegian jazz audience, they're so open-minded in a very different way. Then I find perhaps France is more conservative when it comes to music, jazz music. Understood. Uh, um, are you more and, open than the British? Yeah, I think, well, I think the British are quite open or had, has become more open um, because there's a lot of cool stuff happening at the British jazz scene. And right now I'm playing with this amazing British uh, guitar player called uh, Rob Lift. And yeah, he's doing some really cool stuff. He, he's, he just had an album out on edition records, which are combining, I, w- I would say more like world music, jazz music, pop music, everything together. So they seem quite, um, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's yeah. So, but, yeah. Where, where do you think the jazz scene will be in ten years over there? Bigger, mm. smaller. 
I would say perhaps bigger because there's so many music institutions and academies right now in Norway and they are so popular and um, you know some of the best pop stars in Norway they are studying jazz and then they suddenly become pop stars um, and music is so popular that I I think it will just you know get bigger and that's that's also like a negative thing because I don't know if there's room for any more <laughs> bands and well I guess there will always be some some room but there's a lot of musicians right now just in Norway and actually Norwegian jazz musicians are playing more in Europe sometimes even than in Sweden and, and Norway and Denmark so like Germany it's it's a big country for for Norwegian jazz musicians. Okay, that's mm. nice to know. So, if you could turn back time and talk to your eighteen year old self, what advice would you give them? And would you talk them out of being a musician? Ah, uh, no, <laughs> I would not uh, talk them out of being a musician. But I would say, like, uh, like. Um, um, I've been a very realistic person my whole life. And so, you know, just to, to have the, the inner motivation and, and the will uh, that is very important that you have because if you want it enough, it will happen. Um, yeah, I guess I would, uh, I would have said something like that. <laughs> Okay, that works too. There's nothing wrong with that. So if you could remove all the barriers and constraints, what type of project would you do and who would be on it? Mm. Hmm. Right now, I'm uh, thinking it would be super cool to have like this huge double bass orchestra. Yeah. A double bass uh, orchestra. Yes, <laughs> and um, um, yeah, and who will be in it? I, I guess a lot of great bass players because you know I'm a I, I listen to a lot of bass players, but I never get been able to play with them, you know, because bass players don't play together. So you're telling me you want to do a song with Christian McBride at the yeah. same time? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess Christian McBride would be in it, like and uh, and uh, Dave Holland and Anna uh, Schirmin, Paula Donaldson, Mozartian, Ole Morten Vaughan, all these great Scandinavian uh, bass players. And then you have uh, Ron Carter and uh, Dave Holland. Oh, there's so many good bass players. <laughs> it would be an inter interesting concept, I think. I mean, what would happen if you could pull it off? I'm actually curious, but <laughs> I'm just picturing 20 bases and one guy trying to solo over all the bases. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, well, that's I guess that's a crazy idea. Yeah, it would be fun. So, no. wait, wait. So, I don't know if, if anyone would come to the concert. I don't know, too much bass, perhaps. I've seen stuff pulled off that I never expected would be able to be pulled off. So I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one other thing that I need to know, 
How was yeah. it playing with Sting? Oh, uh, that was wow! That was amazing. I mean, to play with Sting, even when you say it, I get almost like goosebumps. Uh, uh, I played with Manu Kachia for about two years, mm-hmm. and um, once in a while, Manu he. he he has this huge concert in Paris, Olympia, where he invites a lot of different musicians. And this year, uh, I guess it's three or four years ago, he invited Sting to come and play. And uh, Sting said yes. And then suddenly I was in Paris uh, at this rehearsal room in, in, and suddenly Sting shows up. I did not know which song he was going to play or anything like that, but I knew a lot of his songs, so that was okay. <laughs> and so I played the double bass and and uh, did some background choir for, for Sting, and that was, oh, yeah, it was amazing to play with your hero. I mean, it's, uh, mm, it's hard to describe. No, I understand, man. I'm jealous yeah. of you on that, man. I want to play yeah. with Sting. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. People were going crazy. And I totally understand that because I think I went a little crazy myself. <laughs> okay, so before we go, we normally like to give a shout out and show our respects to the artists that came before us. So I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why, okay? Sorry, one instrument? And- no, no, I'm going to tell you an instrument yeah. and two artists. Tell me which okay. one you prefer. Okay? Mm, yes. Clifford Brown or Chef Baker? Uh, Chef Baker. Okay. On saxophone, John Coltrane or Wayne Shorter? Oh, that's John Coltrane. Oh, why? Okay. On piano, Art Tatum or The Monk? The Monk. On jumps. Joe Jones or Chick Webb? Hmm. Perhaps Chick Webb. Okay. And on bass, Esperanza Spartan or Linda O? Esperanza Spalding. Okay. Is it because you sing or you just like her style better? Hmm. Yeah, uh, actually, I heard Esperanza Spalding when she was touring with uh, Joe Labana, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I think she's an amazing bass player. And besides, of course, of the singing as well. But I think Linda o- also started to sing a little. That's what bass players do, right? They <laughs> start to sing. <laughs> and you know, when you first open your mouth, it's hard to, to, yeah, to not sing anymore. That's, yeah. Understood. So, mm-hmm. could you please tell the people where to reach you and how to find you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on, if you if you search for uh, Ellen Andrea Wang with the W, um, dot com. That's my website. And I have my music on Spotify, Tidal, iTunes. And I'm coming with a new album in September at Ropadope Records. It's called Closeness. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. I'm looking forward towards it too. 
Mm. Everyone, thank you for listening. This is Leander Young at Improv Exchange. Have a good night. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.